Enterprise Digital Podcast with Ian Aitchison and Barclay Ray, navigating the ever-expanding service management maze. Well, hello, it's another Enterprise Digital Podcast. It's Barclay Ray as, as ever, and as ever too, it's Ian Aitchison. Ian, how are you doing this week? Hello, hello, hello. Very good. Thank you. Very good. Flustered, yeah. flustered slightly. Busy. My heart is pounding, but would you like to know why? Uh, well, you're going to tell us anyway, so yeah, on you go. <laughs> My heart is pounding because I've this this week, today, I've drunk too much coffee, but I'm okay. reassured, I'm going straight into this week's trivia, I'm reassured that I've drunk too much coffee and everything will be fine because I'm reading about a study that came out just this week saying... The study has found all types of coffee are associated with a reduction in the incidence of cardiovascular disease and death from any cause. Now, that's really intriguing. Death any cause. cause. Well, you know, like being run over, coffee will, well, will save you. Those are literally <laughs> the words that it says. So I, I need to dig much, much deeper into it. But I had a few extra cups of coffee today on purpose. Um, so my risk of death during this podcast is greatly reduced. More coffee we drink the less chance we've got of popping it um, sooner rather than later. Okay, well, that's that's interesting. And and um, I probably haven't had enough coffee today, actually. But let's see if we can get the, um, the coffee buds roasting with our conversation. And, yeah, that was a terrible link. I know I was, I was floundering around for something so to say there. Something better than that. Yeah, coffee's great. I've had loads of it. I'm absolutely jumping on it. So let's move on. Our guest today is... Lisa Thompson. Lisa, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, great to see you. Welcome to our podcast. You and I have have interacted over the years and and I know that you run successful HR business and um, have been doing that for some time. Tell us just briefly a little bit about yourself and, you know, what you do now and how you've got to where you are, because we're going to have a great conversation about sort of people management and leadership and a few other things, employee experience, etc. But give our listener a, a quick background. <laughs> of course. Yeah. So um well as you know, I had a career um initially running HR and people functions in a number of tech businesses uh, for a number of years. And then nine years ago I set up Purpose HR as a consultancy. So essentially what we do is we provide HR services and advice to SME and growth businesses that are not quite at the size to need a full in-house HR or people department and so we provide a full service of everything to do with employing, developing, looking after and managing your staff and mainly our clients are tech businesses and a lot of kind of investor-backed or entrepreneurial startup and tech businesses so sure we have lots of interesting stuff to talk about. Have the uh, the really difficult conversations sometimes that HR has to have. Are you are you involved in all of those? Absolutely. Um, you know everything from conversations, performance discussions, feedback. Um, sometimes that feedback's not always for the employees. Sometimes it's upwards for the management. Um, yeah, right through to X termination sometimes. And um, but a lot of the time, I guess trying to work with organisations to help develop a culture and a working environment where actually we can try and improve dynamics and you know help people thrive that's the goal well that sounds very relevant our, our last podcast was about leadership and coaching we, we had um, yeah. sherry on who's talking about that and actually just moving it on because in the podcast series we've had a lot of discussions that have come back to people leadership culture governance all those kind of things yeah. 
Um, I think it will be a great conversation because you've been in our industry and you still are, but you're looking at it from a slightly different perspective. So um, looking forward to that. Thanks for joining. Welcome. Good to see you here. Yeah, and I, I normally stop my coffee consumption around lunchtime. So, <laughs> so my heart's not racing now, but that's only because it for sleep purposes. The, the podcast is timeless. Um, <laughs> it goes on at any time of the day. So any listener may be listening at any time on the planet. But thanks for that, Lisa. Welcome to podcast. Right, let's get started. I think, I mean, from the perspective of, of the kind of work that you do, and you sort of laid that out in the introduction about work effectively being the HR team for lots of organizations that are on the, the tech and the growth uh, path. We have in the industry at the moment, we have quite a debate about employee experience and, yeah. you know, particularly from the point of view of how we would measure that or manage it and so on. Yeah. And, yeah. But that's predominantly from the technology perspective, you know, how people interact yeah. with stuff, yeah. what their yeah. experience is like. Can you give us a bit of a, maybe just as an intro to sort of frame the, the bigger perspective on that? As You know, I mean, is that is that a debate in the HR world that is wider about how we retain people, how we attract people, how we manage that situation? And, how, and has it changed in the last few years? I mean, absolutely. I think... Even, even the sort of terminology around HR is, is definitely shifting and changing. So what you'll see in a lot of organisations now is that H, what was previously HR departments, when I talk about people and culture functions, um, and, and a role that you now see that probably you wouldn't have seen 10 years ago, you know, when we worked together, certainly, is like an employee experience manager. For example, um, you know, people whose whole role is to actually manage that experience of employee, employees right through from the recruitment, the onboarding, the employee engagement, you know, how how engaged, how motivated, how satisfied are the employees. That's almost like a, a whole new discipline within within HR. And um, maybe it was something that was captured through other roles before, but it, there's a lot more focus on it now. And I think if you think about maybe what are some of the trends pushing for that you're looking at the fact that we're seeing huge churn in a lot of a lot of businesses and um, seeing you know more turnover for employees um, and and a huge sort of competition for talent and obviously particularly the sector that we work in technology as you'll know there's 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 a shortage of key skills so organizations are really often competing for top talent so they really do need to make sure people are not just happy but motivated engaged all the way through employment. Interesting um, what you're describing there, employee experience from the HR perspective. feels like you're saying you're, you're keeping in contact with the employee throughout their time as an employee rather than just those significant events when something's gone wrong. That's the... Yeah. yeah. And I'm going to connect Darkie back to... We talked about ITSM and digital employee experience, and we talked about how ITSM is reacting to things that go wrong and how digital employee experience is about knowing what's happening all the time and that everything's okay. So maybe there's a parallel that we're seeing there. It's about caring about the whole journey. I think you're right. I mean, there's, there's two things I could call out about that. So, you know, there's more and more tools now that are regularly used. We do things like pulse surveys with our clients so that you're doing regular check-ins to get the feedback from stuff. It's no use. I mean, you probably heard of things like exit interviews. 
it's a limited value to find out what, what was not working out when somebody's already up sticks and gone, taking a new job. So, you know, there's regular ways of kind of turning and getting feedback from, from people. But also sometimes, you know, the key thing is for managers to make sure they're regularly talking to the staff and having proactive conversations. Those are the things we encourage. What's your, your opinion on, what was it called in one of our podcasts, Bossware, but the technology that's monitoring people's activity so rather than monitoring their their experience generally but are they working are they working now are they in front of their screen what are they doing in front of their screen are they doing the job <laughs> which all, we all know is a bad thing right we all know it's a bad thing but from an HR perspective what's what's your take on that I mean I suppose for me it's what what, what, was, what would drive that you know and why why would an organization choose to implement something like that and for me that's coming from a position of lack of trust 100%, yeah. Um, and so, you know, what we work with our clients with um, is around often, you know, the culture and the values. And so, so often that trust element is a key part of the, what we would call, I guess, the um, psychological contract and the engagement of the employee with the organisation. So lots of organisations will talk about trust as a value, but that would be a clear shining example of where they're not living that in practice you know, using a tool like that. And I mean, I know that some of the, you know, some of the environment is that this is almost like a, a safety net that organisations are looking at for, for having people work from home or things like that. But, you know, we, we are seeing more of a shift and certainly the environment is where people want to work and where they'll move with their feet and, you know, where they'll, they'll prefer to be is where they're trusted and they're maybe measured on their outputs and their delivery and they're empowered to, you know, empowered to achieve, not, not um, scared to go to the toilet, let's put it yeah. that way. <laughs> One of the areas that I think is, that I'm quite interested in from what you were saying and, and in terms of the industry is this whole idea of the entrepreneurial profile and, and development. And, you know, you, you need to have some, I suppose, some spe special skills to yeah. to set up a new business and to drive it. And 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 a lot of that is is probably not about doing things according to a process or, or a predefined way of working. It's It's identifying the new and the opportunity and so on yeah how do you deal with with that in terms of reining people in because there's always a point where a business can't be done in a kind of chaotic entrepreneurial way it's got to start being a bit more structured yeah. um, what are the sorts of things that you would that you do and I mean particularly I guess in tech as well you're going to get people who are kind of techie focused and yeah. not people or business focused particularly perhaps yeah how, how do you sort of build that in so that you can get them working in a more structured way? Well, there's a couple of points I'd like to chat about on that. Probably one about the founders and the entrepreneurs themselves. And then secondly, about what we would see as kind of the stages and inflection points of growth in an organisation as they scale. Um, so if I, if I start with the founders themselves, um, you know, and I'm, I'm one, I'm an entrepreneur. You know, I started my business um, late, you know, nine years ago, now employ over 20 people in Purpose HR and, you know, I sold that to be become part of a larger group last year. There's certain traits around being willing to take risks to do, to do things like that and set up a business. It isn't, you know, it's not for everyone. Um, but equally, you also have to be willing to, I guess, do things a bit differently or want to challenge norms. That's often a trait of successful entrepreneurs. Now, that in itself can sometimes... Um, you know, not to make too many generalisations, but sometimes it can mean that entrepreneurs and, and founders are not necessarily always the best natural people managers or people leaders. 
you know, and, and that can apply across any industry, including mine, but particularly sometimes in tech, the people that have, you know, got really passionate and excited about developing an idea or a product, to be able to build a business, they need to then build a team that surrounds themselves with other people. And what we've seen is, I guess, two different paths. You see entrepreneurs that are willing to then invest in their own development and to build the skills and want to and to become, you know, a strong people manager and leader and self-aware. That's the key thing, I guess, coachable and want to work on the skills, you know, to, to be able to then manage a team, motivate people, empower others and lead others. And um, equally, sometimes actually they're, they're self-aware enough to say, these are my strengths and these are potentially some of my gaps. And to build a really strong, successful team, what I want to do is look at that and bring in people that complement that and complement me. Um, so that can be in operations, can be in people, on the people HR side, um, you know, or it might be in other areas like marketing and sales. So that's that's one area to your question. Um, I think the other bit of your question around what works when you're maybe a small startup and you want to be really flexible and you want to be agile and, you know, just get on with the tasks. There, there is a balance of that as your organisation scales. And we see that on the HR side, um, a, you know, a small group of people working together that might know each other from from previous lives or you know a really well 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 meshed small team as the team grows you do need to start looking at things like processes putting in structure and that comes down to often consistency and fairness as much as rules and um, but there are ways you can do that in a fit for purpose way and um, that you can bring people with you you know each are sometimes seen as the HR police are extremely bureaucratic, but it doesn't have to be that way. Um, you, know, you can build things in a way that but it's, it's flexible. A sign, a sign of organisation maturity in a way, isn't it? That the you move beyond we've got to grow by a million dollars in the next twelve months to we've got to be caring for our employees. You know, we are a business and we have a duty um, yes. to make sure that the people that join us have a good work life. Exactly. Exactly. And sometimes the rules are there to protect employees, you know, mm. as much as the business as well. Just taking that forward then, and just in terms of the employee satisfaction, you know, employee experience, employee satisfaction agenda that that is definitely taken much more hold of late. You know, we, we do see a lot about it and it's included in all sorts of um, aspects. You know, we have it in, in some of our standards and, you know, the yeah. you know, things that should be done but in terms of and and again from the external and from the hr perspective what are you actually seeing in in, in that are, are companies really taking the initiative are, are they are they following up on it are they are they saying right well yeah we really need to do this and we need to do it properly and we look you know we need to think about our employee well-being and manage it and and we've just been describing the sort of entrepreneurial in the past, people might have just put up with things, but I mean, is, is, is it is it really changing on that side as well? It's definitely changing. I mean, I guess organisations wouldn't be working with us if they didn't see this as a driver. So we're looking at it as a lens through the, the clients that we work with that recognise the importance of investing in their people and, you know, want support in these areas. You know, we're, we're definitely seeing a shift in the market where employees are, are almost, you know, say, say you're doing recruitment and, and you're interviewing candidates. An awful lot of the time, the candidates are also interviewing the business and they're asking about these things. You know, the types of things that come up, you know, 
how will I get feedback? What are the routes for career progression? How do you, how do you manage flexible working? What, what options are there for, you know, hybrid and remote? All of these things, it's much more driven by the candidates often as much as understanding what skills they're looking for and do you fit the profile of what I want? So I think the, the, the forward thinking employers and the ones that are most successful in getting top talent are definitely invested in these areas and, and need to, to stay ahead. Do you see with the changes in working, I imagine also with smaller organisations you work with, working from home, working remotely, hybrid working, much more common. Has that brought new HR challenges? You know, has, has the HR puzzle got a little harder because of this big shift? Definitely, um, definitely. I think when we've had clients through COVID, they gave up their offices and things like that. We're also now seeing a shift where some of them are now realizing that doesn't work for them either and employees want a mix and they're moving back to maybe offices but hubs or, or different ways of working. It, there's there's so much that's come from it. One of the challenges we do see, and I think it's across all sectors, but it includes tech, is about the balance between maybe people that are at one stage in their career and their life where working from home and working remotely suits them very, very well. They might have lifestyle arrangements, you know, children, diff- different different um, sort of work-life balance commitments and things like that. And they're probably quite reluctant to come back to office working which can sometimes be a challenge where you're maybe also bringing in more junior staff, entry-level staff, graduates, and actually looking to develop those, those, those employees. And equally, those, those candidates are sometimes really keen to have the social aspects of working in office. There's a different dynamic. That's, those are generalizations, it's not everybody, but, but these are themes that we're seeing coming. And it can become a bit of a conflict in organizations where there's yeah. a mismatch. Um, because you know people that are maybe at that later stages in the career you know I'm one but early on I had all those opportunities to shadow people you know early in my career sit beside them listen to them on the phone and you know be immersed in that environment and people working from home are, are struggling with some of that and um, more isolated and not yeah. getting all those opportunities that, I, th- I can really see that Mark, you mentioned that a while back as well that I, I said yeah yeah for some people working remotely is great but for you particularly people relatively new into work and career, they need that social network. Well, I mean, I, I think, you know, when you, you think back to mm-hmm. think back to early parts in your career and, and so much of it was about what you learned from other people by mm-hmm. interact, either interacting them or even just observing them, you know, and, yeah. and seeing what was going on. And you might not be regularly in, in contact with them, but over time, you see the dynamic of an organization you see how people interact and so on and that that seems to have broke you know potentially is there to break down and and i absolutely agree that the the sort of younger generation probably is wanting to go because it's a social thing for them as well isn't it i remember going to the pub on a friday evening and some other evenings after work as well and that was an important part of work Yeah. yeah i mean hr confession I met my wife at work. Lots of people do, yeah, and it's it's it's, it's a huge shift. It's a society shift as well, actually. Mm. What sort of advice do you give to organisations then on how to manage? Because I mean, in in the last year or so, I mean, it's one of my first questions when I go into an org- hybrid back in the you know, and I've been been at one recently that they were all back, and most people were really happy. One or yeah. two, really not. Yeah. But you know. So what sort of things do you say to them as to how to 
how to manage that, Lisa? Yeah, I mean, at the risk of sounding obvious, one, one of the key things is, is talk to your staff and ask them what's mm. working for them, what's not. Don't make assumptions. If you're going to make changes, you know, talk about that, explore that, put forward suggestions and, you know, bring people with you. Um, it's really important, I think, to lead from the front. So, for example, if managers are saying to their teams, this is, you know, we're looking to have, you know, this arrangement, three days in office, two days flexible from, you know, role model that and, and make sure that people see you do that as well. And then, you know, simple things that, that do actually help is that people, what people hate is that they, they have their office days that they go in and then they end up spending all of it sat in a room and, you know, with their headphones on because other the way it wasn't managed well that the same colleagues that were working with are working the same day. So they're actually not getting any of the social interaction benefits. So if you can plan it at a team level at least so that you'll use the time effectively and there's there's scope to, to do interactive sessions or, you know, you combine it with team lunches or events or an after work get together, you know, like you were talking about. It's, it's about being probably quite intentional about all that and planning rather than just hoping it'll work because you're much as you speak to people and as much as you can with opinion, everyone's different as well. So you're going to have people pull in different ways and have different preferences. So there's a point where you do need to set some parameters and then be consistent with that as well that's that's good i've seen a little bit of the bad side of that where easing back in and the message is you know two three days a week but you can pick or choose your two or three days and exactly what you say you're in there and the other people aren't there that you need coming in so you're right you've got to be thoughtful and considered and have a plan to you're all going to be together on this day and there's a purpose for that yeah yeah exactly i'm doing i'm doing a workshop next week where part of the discussion has been we do it on site and the manager went, oh, yeah, that's a great opportunity for us all to get in. And we, it's an absolute three line whip. You must be there kind of thing. Fascinating stuff, which is still evolving. One of the other things I thought would be useful uh, to talk about just briefly was this whole idea of the roles changing in IT. Um, and we have a terrible, terrible tendency to keep changing stuff all the time. Um, and definitions of what we do and what we do and I mean what what's I mean are, are we completely unusual in that or is that something that you see in other areas as well and I mean how again how do organizations manage that better I think uh, it's certainly not unique to the tech sector but I suppose what you would you would see particularly in the tech sector is that the technology itself is evolving and changing all the time and working practices are changing quicker maybe than other more traditional sectors and, um, you know, so if you would compare that to, say, professional services, where we're, we're trying to get people to digitise and we're bringing in new roles, the pace of change is probably a lot slower, I, I would say, from that's what we see. I think what the, the strongest organisations are doing is almost being able to look ahead and plan for, for what are the roles of the future and how can we start training people and developing them for that now? Rather than, you know, the worst things we see is when we say, well, actually, let's take HR as an example, just because I'm doing it, because we talk about that and it's what, no. But um, you were an HR or personnel officer, Lisa, tomorrow you're the people in culture experience, user experience manager, and I'm just going to change your title and give you a new name tag and put it on your desk. But we're not actually going to change our practices or train you or support you or give you that mindset shift to make the transition. 
then actually it's just rebadging something and it, and it doesn't affect any change and it won't bring anybody with you. I've certainly seen in tech and IT, there is a tendency to restructure when you have teams, when you have teams that are working, it's quite easy to say that's not working so well, let's reform different teams. We're going to have a different team and different teams. And there's a phrase that's used sometimes, durability, which is you get very effective teams in any workplace when they work together in one area for a good period of time and they become yeah. experts, they know each other, they trust yeah. each other and they're the experts in that area. Time you take the opportunity to reform the structure a little bit, although there's good intentions and often good benefit, you also take a yeah. step, you break some of that durability. The disruption that stops people being really excellent at what they do sometimes. Yeah, it might affect people's confidence, affect their relationships, mm. affect their interactions. So it's almost yeah. that you've got to reinvest in that to give them time to adapt. They've got to think how, how valuable is it to keep doing that over and over. I've got one really important question as well before before we come back to Barclay. Um, in an HR organisation you run, what's the name of the company again? Sorry, it's... Uh, Purpose HR. Yes, there we are, Purpose HR. So my question is, who does the HR for Purpose HR? Ah, see, that's a great question. So uh, my company was acquired last year. Um, so, so I sold the business last year. So I now run it as a as a group company within a larger group called, called AAB, which is an accountancy and business services firm. So we now have access to an HR department. So this has been a big shift change for us because um, because previously we were, um, if I say, like the cobbler's shoes, if that makes sense. So, you know, I'm trying to run the business, service the clients, manage our own HR. And, and I'll, I'll be the first to admit sometimes, you know, when you're, when you're juggling a lot of balls, you you do not always focus on practice what you preach as well as you could. Um, so that's actually been one idea that's helped us a lot to have that, have that access to that support and structure and a finance department and a marketing department. So my number of hats is, is vastly reduced. <laughs> I know that feeling well of, of sudden relief of actually you're part of something a little bit bigger and it's just got a little bit more structure. <laughs> um, just rounding off then, so we covered quite a lot there about, you know, various aspects of employee and uh, people management and so on. Do you think that we are moving, and, and I will re restrict this to tech initially, but do you think we are, do you think we are moving to a, a more ethical way of working? I mean, I, I actually, particularly over the last few years, it's occurred to me that it, IT is and always has been quite an ethical business, particularly internally within organizations, because it's there about protection Oh, was very much focused on that. The commercial side yeah. is slightly different, but as yeah. an industry, do you think we are managing to maintain that level of integrity and and um, value our people as much as we as much as we should or, or could be doing? Yeah, I mean, I, I can only speak for the experience of the clients we work with and, and you know what, where where we're exposed to. But I suppose what I would say, I, I called my purpose, my company Purpose HR, um, and one of the reasons for that was was about thinking about being purpose-driven and impact-driven. And a lot of the startup and early-stage tech businesses that we work with, they, they really are because they're looking to solve problems. Um, and so, you know, they're not necessarily just looking at a way to maybe make money faster for, for a bank, although some businesses, you know, from tech, that's one sector. But there, there, there's organisations that are looking to do a lot of things um, that is like tech for good as well. Um, and it's, it's really interesting to look at, you know, if you look at it from an employee perspective, again, in terms of like employment, but employee value proposition and where people will look to maybe take jobs. 
and actually where they might weigh up the difference between a benefits package or, or salary versus the motivation of working for a company where they feel they're making a difference or an impact. And um, that, that is a real driver. It's not just fluffy. We, we genuinely see it. So that's one thing. Um, and the other areas around diversity and inclusion. And, you know, we, I think we probably all know tech is a traditionally um, male-dominated industry. Um, Gender is only one aspect of diversity. But one of the things that increasingly companies are coming to us for advice and support on and an earlier, an earlier stage in the growth planning as well is around, well, how can I make sure that I'm an attractive employer to diverse candidates? What can I be doing to be more inclusive? And um, what, what practices do we need to put in place now? Um, so you know, I'm, I'm really pleased to see that. And I think that's a, a strong trend. And I do think tech is actually one of the sectors leading the way. That's so good to hear. We had uh, Sherry Bevan on last week and she was saying tech isn't quite quite there yet. It's got further to go. It's it's still burdened by the tech bros culture and the, the IT guys culture. And I, I personally, I think I've seen that vary massively from one organization to another. And I think that comes really from the top and it comes from uh, leadership and also HR leadership at the top that can really drive a really strong message of this is our this is yeah. our diversity culture in the whole company from the yeah. top. And when you get that right, you see a whole company shift. And it's I think so, organizations as well working with startups, they they can be intentional about that from the outset, yeah. and that actually lets them lets them build an all one organization that's maybe values driven, yeah, which is great to see. I think that's a great way to round off because I mean that whole thing about values and leadership is is where we do we do tend to keep coming back to that and of course it is incredibly important but it's good to hear from you know another perspective as well so that's great stuff thank you lisa thank you very much for that that was a great conversation we really have been getting outside of i we got out behind out from our terminals and our desks um and really been talking about the people side of things really good stuff thank you lisa um ian you have you have a question for lisa we mentioned earlier that the importance the social aspects of work yeah. uh, the human aspects the going to the pub the having a, a drink together whatever that may be and of course lisa as you know we love to collect good drinks from our guests yeah the podcast bar is long and wide and is very full of many, many very attractive drinks, all of which I'm looking forward to drinking on there for the HR drink of choice. So Lisa, what would be your recommended drink to our podcast audience? Oh mine well, normally mine would be a wee prosecco, definitely. Uh, not for me for another um, couple of months until until baby baby arrives in December, uh, which you can't you can't see just now. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so so normally that would be my drink of choice. I've got a little while to go, but, but January onwards. <laughs> well, I'm sure you'll enjoy that next one when you can. Yeah, uh, well deserved. Middle of the night, very sleep deprived, but also very <laughs> happy. So that's great to hear. Yeah, and glutton for punishment as well. You you got two already? Is that right? <laughs> Number three. Why me? Okay. Uh, well, um, good luck with, with with all that. Hope it all goes well. Um, Lisa, how how do people get hold of you? What's uh, if if they want to have conversation or follow up with you? Yeah, well, a couple of ways. So, um, as you probably know, Bertley very active on LinkedIn. Uh, so Lisa Thompson, Purpose HR. So, so look me up on there. Feel free to connect. Um, or our website is www.purposehr.co.uk, and you find out more about us and our team and services there. So, yeah, please feel free to get in touch. Any questions? Great stuff. 
thank you for joining us. It's, it's been a really good conversation. I uh, really appreciate your time as well, because I know you're, you're, you're busy juggling lots of things as, a, as an entrepreneur and um, business leader and so on. So um, and I know you're quite active in that community. There was a startup grind community of supporting entrepreneurs and business people. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's great. Thanks for joining us. And we'll see you again. Well, we'll see you on the other side when you've when you've got the yeah. full compliment next year sometime. Brilliant stuff. And yeah. thanks, Ian. Thanks again. We'll see you soon. Thanks very much. Cheers. See you next time on the Enterprise Digital Podcast. Bye.